Several years ago on the week of Thanksgiving, an elderly man in Dallas called his son in New York City. Called his son, said, son, right off the bat, I I don't want to alarm you. I don't want to rain on your parade. I don't want you to be upset, but I need you to know that your mother and I are getting a divorce. Said, we have lived together for 47 years. That's enough. It was 47 years of misery. I can't take another day. I'm done. The son was shocked. He said, Dad, I I don't understand. He said, I need you to call your sister. Let her know that it's over. And the son immediately got off the phone. He called his sister in Orlando. And uh, as he began to explain what the father had told him, the daughter was uh, even more angry or more shocked than uh, the son. She said, this can't happen. This this isn't going to happen. I'm going to take care of it. And so she immediately got on the phone and called her dad and said, Dad, you're crazy. There is no way I'm letting you and mom get a divorce. He said, I don't want you to do anything until I get there. I'm going to call my brother back. We are going to be there tomorrow and we will settle all of this. So don't do anything. And the father reluctantly said, okay. And he hung up the phone. He looked across the table at his wife and said, good news. The kids are coming home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> he said, even better news. They're paying their own way. Amen. This week, most of us are going to gather with friends and family, and hopefully we're going to do more than just eat a meal or watch some football or Hallmark movies or do a mad dash to the store. Hopefully this week and the next couple of weeks will give us a perfect opportunity to put into practice what we say we believe, that you and I are grateful and overwhelmingly thankful for all that God has done for us. These past couple of Sundays leading up to Thanksgiving, we have discussed how blessed you and I actually are. How overwhelmingly beyond what we deserve blessed through the blood of Jesus Christ. We looked at Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. When God is in control, I shall not want. I, there's nothing I need as long as God's in control. Last week, we looked at Paul's teaching about being content. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in all things. It's not based on circumstance. It's not based on what I have. It's not based on my health or how good things are. I've learned that I am content in Christ because if I focus on all that God has given me and recognize that God is always going to bless me and always going to provide for all of my needs, I can't help but be content. And it is out of that contentment, it is out of that gratefulness that that you and I learn to express thanksgiving. And so this morning, I want to take it to the next level and, and to a more practical level to help us understand not only do we have so much to be grateful for, should we learn to be content, but there are blessings that arise when you and I learn to express our thanks. There are things that affect us and our relationships if you and I can ever wrap our head around the truth that we have so much to be grateful for. And to help us with that, I want to look at a passage this morning in Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. There's a Bible in the pew in front of you or underneath you. It's also in the order of service, so you can follow along there. This is an encounter that Jesus has with some men as He is traveling to Jerusalem. The last uh, journey He will make to Jerusalem to be crucified. He is traveling from Galilee region, and He's trying to stay the border of Samaria. You know, they didn't go through Samaria because they considered Samaritans to be dirty. And so he is trying to stay out and skirt Samaria. And he comes across 
these ten men in Luke chapter 17. It said in verse 11, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance. If you had leprosy in Jesus' day, you were not allowed to get within a hundred feet of people that didn't have leprosy. You could not get in their face or, or encounter them. So they're standing off at a distance, and they began to shout. They called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now they probably had heard of Jesus. They knew that He was a teacher. They knew that He was healing people. And so here these lepers are calling out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when He saw them, He said, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. Verse 15 says, One of them, when he saw as he was going that he was being healed, he came back and he was praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now that's put in there as a dig to probably the other nine who were Jewish believers. That it was the one who they looked down on that actually came back and offered thanks. Jesus asked, Where are the other ten? Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to the Samaritan, Rise and go, for your faith has made you well. Some of your translations say your faith has made you whole. Now in our culture today, leprosy has all but been eliminated. There are very few small pockets of leprosy. But in the Bible time, leprosy was probably um, the most dangerous disease that anyone could have. It was probably um, the scariest disease that they would face. And in the Bible, every time it mentions leprosy, it's talking about all kinds of skin conditions. But most people and uh, doctors and people that study today think that it's probably close to what we call Hansen's disease today. And Hansen's disease, like leprosy and old, uh, would begin with a small white patch of skin beginning to get hard kind of like psoriasis or eczema. And it would begin to get hard, but it would get to the point that it would get so hard and thick that you couldn't even stick a needle into that skin. It was so hard and thick. And the problem with Hansen's disease or leprosy is once it started, it began to spread rapidly first to the extremities in the face. So it would spread to your arms and your hands and your legs and your feet and then up your face. And there was no way to hide it. There was no way for you to, to have leprosy or to have the skin condition and not let everyone see it. And these tumors would begin to develop from that hardened part. And it, as it spread, it would begin to affect the skin tissue to the point that someone with leprosy, over time, their ears would begin to just get eaten away. Their nose would get eaten away. Their lips would get eaten away. Their fingers would just begin to fall off. They had no sense of feeling. They were numb. Many people with leprosy had no feeling where they had leprosy, so they would burn their hand and not know it was on fire or burning and the condition that was happening to it because there was no feeling there. It was numb. The nerve endings became numb, and then the tumors would begin to reach in and begin to eat away at the, the internal organs of someone with leprosy. Now, most people with leprosy didn't die of leprosy. Uh, it just degraded your immune system to the point that you died of a common illness. You got a cold, and your immune system was so weak from trying to fight off this skin condition that you would just die. 
And someone with leprosy in Jesus' day was considered unclean and contagious. They were forced to live away from society. Many of them, in what we learn later, were called leper colonies. In Jesus' day, they were pushed off outside of town. They congregated together because that was the only people they could be around. They couldn't be around normal people. They couldn't work, so they had to beg for everything they got. They had to depend on the goodness of everybody else. It was a miserable, miserable existence. And the sad thing is, many of them didn't have leprosy or Hansen's disease. Some of them just had psoriasis or eczema, and they got lumped in. And once they got put in these colonies with other people that actually had leprosy, they developed leprosy. And the only way that you could ever move back into normal society was to be able to go to one of the priests, and they would examine you to see if all of it had disappeared, if you were healed, then you were considered clean, and you could go back into society. And that's what Jesus tells these lepers to do. He doesn't heal them on the spot. You notice, He doesn't say, look, you're healed. He says, I want you to go to the priest so that He might declare you clean. He's saying, I want you to move and go do something so that you can be a part of society again. And that's the way faith works. So many of us in our lives, we want God to do something. We ask Him to do something, to intervene in an area, and we step back and we wait for Him to do it. Faith doesn't work that way. Faith always moves through action. God healed these men as they were going and being obedient to what He told them to do. Now, we can read it and it doesn't come off the page, but you can imagine they were thinking, well, why don't you just heal us? You know, you're not healing us. I'm walking. Why should I go to the priest? Because all he's going to do is say I'm unclean. But by their faith, they stepped out and began to be obedient. And it was in that action that they were healed. And that's the way faith works. Faith without action is not faith. It's just a theory. I've told you before. You can have all the faith in the world, but until you step out in it, until you act on it, it's not really faith. And I've used the illustration of a chair before or a pew. You can have faith that a pew is going to hold you, but that's really just a theory until you go and sit on a pew. When you go to the airport, some of you are going to be traveling to see family and friends this holiday. You go to the airport, you have faith that that big piece of metal with 300 other people in it is going to take off and break the laws of gravity and fly through the air. That's just a theory until you actually go and step on the plane. When you step on the plane, you put your faith in that big hunk of metal, that it is going to do what it says it's going to do. And the same thing is true of God. God's blessings in our life is not unlocked until we step out and trust Him. Love is the same way. Gratitude is the same way. See, we can say we feel love, we can say we love something or we love someone, but it's not until we act on that that all of a sudden we experience the blessings of it. All of those start in our heart, gratitude and faith and love start in our heart. But if they don't move into a place of action, we will never experience the blessing of what that means. You can love somebody, but until you show them, it doesn't mean anything. You can be thankful all you want, but until you show thanksgiving, until you act on that gratitude, you will not be blessed because of that gratitude. And that's obvious by the story that we have here. It's obvious by what we see happening in Jesus' day. It's kind of like, if it's not acted on, did it really happen? 
Kind of like social media today, right? If you, if you go on vacation and you don't take pictures, did you really go on vacation, right? Or if you get in a relationship but you don't change your relationship status, are you really in a relationship? Well, faith and love and gratitude and thanksgiving operate on that same principle. And the question that jumps out in our story is that I'm sure every one of those ten lepers was thankful, You don't think as they were walking to see the priest and all of a sudden they began to see the skin disease that they weren't thankful? That they didn't feel gratitude? But only one acted on that thanksgiving. Only one went back and responded. Now it's easy for us to look at this Bible story like we look at a lot of Bible stories and think, I would be that one. But in reality, most of us are like the nine. And before you cast stones at them, think about your own life. How many times has God blessed you or touched your life? How many times has someone else in your life blessed you or done something for you that meant so much that maybe they spoke into your life or they gave you something and you told yourself, I I need to thank them. I need to let them know how much I appreciate what they did. I need to, to share with them how much a difference that made in my life. But then all of a sudden we start getting busy, right? Things start happening. Things start moving along. And and before we know it, that has been pushed to the background. It wasn't that we didn't feel thankful. We didn't act on that thanksgiving. And because we didn't act on that thanksgiving, we didn't get blessed and they didn't get blessed. See, there's a huge difference between feeling thankful and being thankful. There's a huge difference between having this feeling in our heart and expressing that feeling. I'm sure every one of those men intended to go back and thank Jesus, but in reality, only one of them did. Because I'm sure in their heart, they, they, taught, they made excuses, they rationalized. We all do, don't we? As they're walking, well, I need to go thank Jesus. He healed me, but he's probably not there anymore. Or he's probably busy, or, or maybe he didn't do it anyway. Maybe I was getting better all along, right? Maybe it was just me, and, and I, 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 just, I don't need to thank him. It was going to happen anyway. And we do the same thing with God. It reminds me of a story of the woman that was running late, and she had gone to see the doctor for a day, and doctor was running late. The appointment went late and she got out of there late and then she had to go pick up a prescription and she was, it pushed her whole schedule back and she went to the pharmacy to go get her prescription and she was driving around trying to find a parking place and getting frustrated and, and, and she realized she still had to go pick up the kids at daycare and she had to go home and make a meal and as she was driving around looking for a parking spot, it started pouring rain and she thought, Lord, why now? And she began to pray, God, please, you know I'm behind on my schedule and you know that I've got all these other things to do and it's been a bad day anyway. God, could you just maybe open up a parking spot close to the front so I don't get soaked when I go into the store? And the moment as she was saying that and circling around, she saw the back lights of a car pulling out of the very first parking spot. And as she pulled in, she whispered in her heart, never mind, God, something came up. And we look at that and say, oh, we do it all the time. We pray and we pray and we pray for God to do something. God, open a door. God, open a door. God, open a door. And he opens this door and that door and this door and that door. And we go, God, why are you not doing what I want you to do? And God said, I am. You're not paying any attention. 
You see, it's that gratitude, it's that heart of thanksgiving that allows us to see, like Paul said last week, it's all God. He opens all of the things. Everything that I have is His. Everything that I want is His provided. All of them were healed by the disease. But Jesus said only one of them got made whole. Your Bible says all of them were healed, but one was made well. Now, I've heard preachers that have preached this and said, you know, nine of them got physically healed and one of them got spiritually healed. But the word there is an interesting word in the Greek that we have. Your King James says whole, NIV says well. It's the Greek word sozo. And sozo means complete. It means finished. And what I think Jesus was saying was not just did you get healed physically and did you get healed spiritually, but this guy got everything that Jesus had to offer. You think a guy that's had leprosy didn't have some baggage, some emotional baggage, some mental baggage, some baggage about things that had happened and people that had rejected him in their hurt, all that stuff in his heart. I think when Jesus looked at this thankful man, he said, I'm taking it all. You are complete. You are whole. What, what prompted Jesus to do that? This man's willingness to come back and offer thanks. You don't think learning to present thankfulness will make a difference in your life? It affects everything that you do and everything that you are. When we learn to practice gratitude and thanksgiving, we learn to become complete. Jesus says, I've come that you have life and have life more abundantly. Now, so many Christians think Christianity is just about going to heaven. If that's what you think Christianity is about, you've missed the boat on 95% of the Christian life. Heaven is the bonus. What Jesus offers when He offers salvation is for you to be forgiven and experience grace and experience life the way He created it to be. To be able to be complete, to not carry around all that baggage, to not have all of those issues that sin and the world cast on us, to be able to walk around understanding that He is my shepherd. He's in charge of my life and He will provide everything. Do you understand how freeing that is? I wonder right now in this room how many of you are stressed out about Thanksgiving? You're stressed out about who's coming and who's not coming and what you're going to prepare and where you've got to go and how these plans are going to come together and these plans are going to come together. Now, I'm not telling you just to wash your hands of it and sit back and say, what happens, happens. What I am telling you to do is to sit down and say, God, you're going to take care of all of it. I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to worry about it and I'm not going to let it destroy my holiday. I'm just going to walk it out as you present and open the door. Can you imagine how freeing that is? Let me, let me give you a couple of benefits to learning to be thankful. Not just feel thankful, be thankful. The first thing is if you could ever learn to express your thanksgiving, it'll, it'll help you health-wise. Studies have been done that show that people that live a grateful and thankful life have all kinds of health benefits. Matter of fact, there was a study done last year, research done last year that showed that those who live or practice gratitude have lower blood pressure, improved immune function, and sleep longer and better. 
Another study done showed that people who were grateful had better heart health, less inflammation, healthier heart rhythm. They also found that thankful people had less depression, better well-being, less fatigue, and better sleep. Matter of fact, in a, in a research study, it showed that those who were more expressive with their thanksgiving, more expressive with their gratitude, had 23% less cortisol, which is the, the hormone that produces stress, had 23% less than the people that weren't thankful. You don't think that being thankful can change your life? They've shown that it actually reduces the effects of aging on the brain for people that live thankful. All that does is just reconfirm what we know in the Bible. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for your life. If we can learn to give thanks to God for everything, not just feel it, not just do it, in our, but express that thanksgiving, it can make you physically, mentally, spiritually healthier than what you are now. It's all a matter of perspective. That's what it means to be content. It goes back to last week. Being content is being able to have the right perspective. Being able to see things the way God sees things. Being open, you're opening yourself up to, to willing to say, I want to see this the way God sees it. You know, Matthew Henry, who was a famous pastor and scholar, biblical scholar, he wrote some of the very first Bible commentaries that we have in the 18th century. One night leaving from church, he was robbed. Some thieves set upon him in England, and he was robbed. And we wouldn't know about it, except in his journal, he kept a prayer journal every night of things that he was thankful for, things he was praying for. And that night he listed, I want to give thanks to God because I was robbed. Now, think about that. How many of us would say, I want to give thanks to God because I had a flat tire today? I want to give thanks to God because work was horrible today. I want to give thanks to God because I didn't get that raise I wanted. I want to give thanks to God because things didn't work out the way I wanted. But here's Matthew Henry saying, I want to give thanks to God because I was robbed. And underneath it in his prayer journal, he listed four things that he was thankful for. He said, I am thankful because I was never robbed before. I'm thankful because they only took my wallet and they didn't take my life. He said, I'm thankful because although they took all that I had, it wasn't a whole lot in the first place. And he said, and I'm thankful it was I who was robbed and not I who was doing the robbing. See, it's a matter of perspective. If you and I can ever begin to see all that we have as being a gift from God, everything that we have, our relationships, our things, our circumstances, our situations, if we can begin to see those as being a gift from God, it changes our perspective. We begin to become more grateful and more thankful for all the things that He's done for us. It's good for your health. The second way that being thankful is good for you is it's good for your relationship to God. You see, the more that we recognize that God is the one who gave me everything, the more we depend on Him. The more we trust Him. And the more you trust Him, put your faith in Him, the closer you get to Him. You know what happens when you begin to trust God for everything? When you begin to take your hands off of it and let God take care of it, you grow closer to Him. Your day-to-day walk. Because if you depend on Him for everything, you've got to talk to Him about it. Got to pray about it. 
And then when he answers prayers, you've got to give thanks because you know he specifically answered that prayer that you had. And the more you do that, all of a sudden worship is not just habit, it's a part of our thanksgiving. And we start serving and ministering and loving others, not because we feel obligated, but because we love God. And all of a sudden we give, not because it's something we feel we have to do or out of guilt. We do it because it's joyful, because we recognize that it's not mine in the first place. It changes everything, your whole perspective. You and I, if you don't get anything else, need to recognize that we have been incredibly blessed by God. I want you to listen to David in Psalms 103 talk about how he was blessed by God. This is from the Message Bible, so listen to the words here. Oh, my soul, bless God from head to toe. I bless His holy name. And you can change bless for thanks if you want because it's the same word. For oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing He has given me. For He has forgiven our sins, every one. He heals our diseases, every one. He redeems us from hell. He saves our life. He crowns us with love and mercy. He wraps us in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews our youth. You're always young in God's presence. And God makes everything come out right. He puts victims on their feet. He showed Moses how he went about his work. He opened up his plans and where he was leading them. For God is sheer mercy and grace and not easily angered. He is rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag or scold. He doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back. For our wrongs, that's mercy and grace. As high as the heaven is over the earth, so strong is God's love for His children. And as far as the sun rises from the sunset, He has separated us from our sins. As parents feel for their children, God feels for us. He knows us inside and out. He keeps in mind that we're made of mud. For men and women don't live long like wildflowers. They spring up and blossom. And a storm could snuff them out just as quickly, leaving nothing to show that they're here. But God's love is ever and always eternally present to all who love Him. Always making right for them and their children as they follow His laws and His ways and remember to do what He said. For God has set His throne in heaven and He rules over all of us. For He is King, so bless God. Thank you, God. Bless God, all you creatures, wherever you are. Everything and everyone made by God, bless Him. You understand that you and I have been just in that list. If, if that's all God ever does for us, that's enough for us to be thankful. It's enough for us to recognize how gr- much gratitude we should show. Being thankful helps you health-wise, mentally, physically, spiritually, Helps your relationship to God. But the third way, lastly, it also helps you in your relationships. Helps you as you interact with other people. One of the most powerful ways that you and I can ever communicate with someone else is through gratitude. How many times has your day totally been changed by someone who came up and offered thanks to you or someone who came up and said how much they appreciate you or something that you did? Why is it that the worst of our days, in the midst of a mess, someone out of the blue simply coming and telling us, thank you, or I appreciate you, can change everything? Because those words mean something. This last month was Pastor Appreciation Month, and I I thank all of you that took the time to 
to write cards and send notes to how much you appreciate me. And I want you to know that I don't take those things lightly. That I developed a habit early on in my ministry that every note I ever received, every card I ever received from a church member, I saved. So that, that's 30 years, five churches, 30 years worth of cards. And I take those cards that you write and I put them in my library, in my books. If you've ever been to my office, you've seen I've got thousands of books. And I put those cards in between books. And so that sometime later on when I'm studying or doing research, I'll go and I'll pull a book off the shelf and a card will fall down. And I'll look down and I'll pull out that card. And I can't tell you how many times that card that may have been from two years ago or 25 years ago spoke to my heart. Times that I was struggling, that I opened a card from from somebody that I hadn't seen in 20 years that said, Rusty, I just want you to know I love you and appreciate you, and you made a difference in my life. See, those things matter. Us letting people know how thankful we are for them changes relationships, changes how we communicate. If we could ever learn to communicate with a heart of gratitude, I promise you it would change your marriages. It'd change your relationships at work. Paul sets the example. Every letter Paul writes in the New Testament, somewhere in that letter he writes, I just wanted to let you know I'm thankful for you. And he just didn't tell them. He told other people how thankful he was for them. When's the last time you told somebody else how thankful you were for somebody in your life? spoke high of them, lifted them up. You don't know how that can change relationships. You know, one of the things I've noticed over the years, especially now being married 30 years, is that the longer you are together with someone in a family, at work, relationships, the more we take those people for granted. Seems like the people that we are closest to are the ones that we underappreciate. Heard a pastor one time describe a relationship in, the, in light of sickness. He said, this is what marriage looks like through the lens of sickness. He said, in the first year when the husband noticed that his wife was feeling sick, he said, you don't look good. Maybe we should take you to the doctor. Maybe we should call an ambulance. I'll take care of everything. Don't worry about anything. You go to bed. Get some rest. By the fifth year of marriage, the husband notices his wife isn't feeling well. He says, you're not looking too hot. Maybe when you're finished feeding the kids and cleaning the kitchen, you can lay down. By the tenth year of marriage, the husband notices the wife isn't feeling good. He said, would you quit walking around here barking like a seal? You're going to give me your cold. We can laugh because it's true. Because the lesson is not that we don't love each other, not that we don't care about each other, But the more comfortable we become around one another, the more we take each other for granted. And I'm not just talking about husbands and wives, but husbands, imagine how your marriage would be different if every once in a while you came home with a gift and you just simply stopped whatever your wife was doing and looked her in the eye and said, I want you to know I appreciate you. Wives, imagine how your relationship might be different If every once in a while you just stopped and told your husband how proud you were of all the things that he does instead of pointing out all the things that he doesn't. Teenagers, college students, when's the last time you thanked your parents 
for all the money and time and energy they've invested in you. See, it's not that we don't feel grateful. It's not that we don't love our spouses. It's not that we don't love our parents. It's not that we don't have that feeling in our heart. But there is a difference between feeling something and showing something. And it is in the showing that the blessings come. It is in the showing that God makes us whole. That's what the one guy discovered that everyone else missed out on. The question is, are you showing it? Nine lepers felt thankful, but only one was willing to go back and show it. What about you and your words and your actions? It could mean the difference between being healed and being whole. Feeling thankful and being thankful. So let me end with this. Three very simple, tangible ways in the next month between Christmas between now and Christmas, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can express your Thanksgiving. Holiday homework. Three things. You can do one, you can do none, you can do all. But three tangible ways, and they're very simple. First is sometime in the next month, go to somebody that has made a difference in your life and go face-to-face to them and tell them, I am thankful for you. Not because they gave you something, not because they did something, just simply because they are in your life. And what their being in your life has meant to you. You will not believe how that will change you and them. Go look them in the eye. I just wanted to let you know I'm thankful for you. This week I gave thanks to God because you're in my life. And if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you when to say it. And who to say it to? It may be today. It may be a month from now. It may be at Thanksgiving. For some of you, the second way you can do it is take some time between now and Christmas and write a card or a note to somebody from your past and let them know how much they mean to you. It may be somebody that you hadn't seen in years, but somebody whose actions or presence or something they said or did changed your life. And maybe you didn't even see it then. But you look back now and you realize their presence in your life. It could be a grandparent, a cousin, a coach, a teacher, a co-worker, a next-door neighbor, a friend in college. I remember a couple of years ago, I, God just put on my heart to do that. And so I made a list. I thought, this would be easy. People who have made a difference in my life that I hadn't really told. Got to 20, 25, 26, 27, and I just began to write them. And it wasn't anything deep or just, I just wanted you to know you made a difference in my life. I am who I am because of you. Every one of them sent a response. Every one of them. You don't know how much that meant to me to get that note. I I, I thought as a teacher or as a coach or, or as somebody that was a sponsor for a group that I didn't make a difference in anybody's life. I knew I was trying, but, but you don't understand how much that reaffirmed to me what God was telling me. Take some time to do that. And then the third thing, just do a random act of kindness in the next month. Not because somebody did something for you, but just simply because you want to show how thankful you are. It can be somebody you know, somebody you don't know. You can be in the drive-thru and pay for somebody's meal behind you. You can be at a restaurant and pay for somebody at another table. You don't even know them. 
You can bake a cake or make cookies and take it and set it on the neighbor's doorstep. Don't put a note, don't put it, just leave it there. Get a gift card and take it to a coworker and just set it on the corner of their desk and just leave it there. There are all kinds of things that you can do to express your gratitude. But you see, when we begin to do those things, it begins to train us. Remember Paul said last week, learn the secret. That means it's something we have to practice. It doesn't come naturally. It's not natural for us to want to say thank you. It's not natural for us to go look somebody in the eye and say, I am thankful for you. That is uncomfortable because our human nature tells us that we got where we are because of who we are and what we've done. God's Word tells us we got where we are because of the grace and mercy and blessings of God and the people that He brought into our lives. And until you learn to be thankful, you'll never experience true gratitude. And not only that, it's good for you. It's good for your health, mentally and physically, spiritually. It's good for your relationship with God. It's good for your relationship to one another. Why not this holiday season? Let's stop being like the nine who just felt thankful and strive to be like the one who returned and was actually giving thanks. Let's pray.